Welcome here. We are here to praise the Creator God who made the whole world, the visible and invisible, people and angels, earth and heavens. So if you're able, please stand to sing with us. And I just want to point something out on this first song. In this refrain here, we've got three lines that repeat, but I've put one line in front of the first line, and two lines, and then three lines. And that means that I want you to start quiet and get a little louder and then really loud on that third line. All right? That's what we'll be doing. Praise the Lord, sing Let's read together the call to worship. I will 
read the first part and you can echo with the words that Susan is saying as well. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. The law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing the soul. The fear of the Lord is pure. Enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. And all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold. Than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey. Than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. You may be seated. we confess that we cannot discern our own errors. Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Amen. This last Thursday was Ascension Day, so today is Ascension Sunday which commemorates the 40th day, I guess Thursday was the 40th day, of the resurrected Jesus interacting with his disciples and then rising into the sky. And this set the stage for what happened a short time later at Pentecost. And one result of Jesus' ascent into heaven was the Holy Spirit coming to us. Another result of Jesus' ascension 
was his interceding for us, advocating for us, applying the forgiveness of the cross that he had paid for. So let's praise him with hymn number 233, Alleluia, Sing to Jesus. this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
with scripture, we've worshipped with song. Another form of worship is giving our time and our money to increase the expression of the reign of Christ in the world. And so, if you'd like to help and worship in that way by paying for the programs of this church and, and other programs that we're involved in as a church, you can put cash or checks in the offering box at the back. We haven't for a while had actual offering collection time in the service, so we thought it was time to remind you that that can be done at the box in the back. I'll be reading from the New International Version, Luke 24, verses 50 to 52. 
When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Acts 1, 1 1-11 In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, he said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. All right. Please bow with me now to dismiss children to children's church. Our God, we thank you for each of the children in our church. We pray that as they go to children's church now, that they will find themselves blessed, that they will find lessons that will stick with them all of their lives, that they will see you like never before this Ascension Sunday. We also pray for the teacher, give them the words to say. And God, we also pray that you bless our service today. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, down the hall, that way. If you have your bulletins on you, there are a number of things uh, to point out. The first is today is National Day of Prayer for Camps. And so we are going to be praying for camps during the prayer block. Also, uh, make sure to keep them in your prayers today as well as over the days to come. You will have seen on the table coming in that there is actually a list of prayer points for Valley View. So I'd encourage you to take that home. Uh, Next... Uh, Wednesday, 7 p.m., prayer meeting here at the church. Wednesday, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m., youth at Dawson and Bethany's this week. And next week is the last Sunday of Sunday school before the Sunday school picnic, which is on the 12th. Uh, So come out for Sunday school at 9.45 a.m., as well as the Sunday service at 10.45. Skipping down, you'll notice in your mailboxes that there is an updated phone list that is there. Uh, and make sure to take that, post it next to your phone at home. Uh, There is going to be a gospel music afternoon in memory of George Rogers next uh, week, June 5th uh, at 2 p.m. That's here at the church, so make sure 
uh, to put that down, as well as next Sunday, there is the YFC Redemption Ride. Uh, if you want to sign up for that, uh, to go for that ride, then that is in Portage at the Honda dealership, and there is going to be supper at Gladstone at the Co-op Home Center parking lot later that day. Uh, June 12th. Here is something that I need to add as well. The EMC convention is actually that weekend as well, June 11th. Uh, you can check out more about that on the EMC website. Uh, it's in Steinbach this year, so if you're looking for a good time, make sure to put that on your list of things to go to, June 11th at Steinbach. Uh, there is a whole host of things that are going on that weekend, starting actually already on June 10th. Uh, so go to the EMC website to check out about the EMC convention that weekend. Uh, and then also on June 12th, the Sunday school picnic is that Sunday. Uh, please bring a side or uh, dessert also. We're going to be having the service in the multi-purpose room just like we used to. So bring your lawn chairs as well. Uh, I have many good memories of doing uh, the Sunday school picnic. And so it'll be wonderful to have it happen again after so many years off. So June 12th, Sunday School Picnic. Also, Bilal and Fatima are coming out that weekend, so make sure to come out so you can meet them. Uh, and finally, June 26th, the McGregor Interdenominational Community Service is at the arena on June 26th. I am very much so looking forward to it. Tyson Murray is going to be the one on deck to share a message with us and I am looking forward to hearing what he has to say. And so keep that on your list as well. All right. Then looking at items of prayer. Uh, first, this week coming up is the beginning of June, which means students and teachers, let us keep them in our prayers as we go into the end of the school year. Exams will be coming up in three weeks. And... That is going to be a stressful time for everyone, as it always is, as well as graduation uh, is coming up. So let us keep our students, teachers, uh, faculty, staff, everyone involved in the end of year in our prayers over the month to come. Next, uh, Uvalde, Texas. As you have heard, there was that terrible school shooting in the elementary school there. We want to make sure to keep uh, them in our prayers. Uh, it is the news coming out, it's just terrible. And then also Valley View Bible Camp. Uh, here you'll find your list of points here. All right. So with all of that said, let's go into a time of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning, first off, bringing our schools before you. Lord, we thank you so very much for all of the hard work that they do in raising up the next generations and teaching them the things that they're going to need to go out into the world. And God, we pray for, first off, the teachers. As we head into this last month, then there is a list a mile long and only so much time to finish it off. And so as they look to check the items off of the list, God, we pray for them that you give them perseverance for this last little bit. You give them that want to just run. And we pray also for the students as well, as they start preparing for exams or just what the end of the year has to bring for them. God, we pray that they have that ability to buckle down, even though the summer is so very close. We pray that they have that ability to just focus on what is before them 
Give them that last bit of strength to finish off the year on a good note. And we pray also for the staff as they look to head into the summer. God, for them, then summer isn't as much of a vacation, but at the same time, we thank you so very much for the work that they do in keeping our schools running. And so, God, we put them all before you this morning, and we pray be with them for this next month. And God, we want to bring before you Uvald. Speaking of schools, this news, it hits us hard. It is hard to imagine what happened there. And so, God, while we don't have the words for it and we don't fully understand it, we put it before you. God, please be with the families of the victims. Please give them what they need to make it through this very unbelievably difficult time. God, we place this whole thing in your hands. And God, for camps, we also bring them before you as well. God, first, we want to pray for Valley View. We want to pray for the things that they've brought before us. Lord, we want to pray for the campers that are going there this summer. We thank you so much that it's looking like it's going to be full. Lord, we pray that those last spots are filled by children that will be anxious to learn more about you. And God, we pray for that opportunity to share the gospel as well as to teach about you. Lord, we pray that it lands home. We pray as these young people come to know who you are, that they make that decision to follow after you with everything they are for the rest of their lives. Lord, that we put before you. And we pray for their staffing needs as well. We're getting into those last few weeks to fill up with the staff that they need to run for the summer. And in a way, it's wonderful that we are getting back to the point where there is that question of where the staff will come from, just like there is every year, and yet we always see every year that the staff does come, that you do provide. And so, God, we pray once again that you do provide. We pray once again that you tap the shoulders of all of the people that should be finding their way out there, that they will, and that they will see you work through them in the lives of these children. And God, we pray for the staff over the year to come. It can be an emotionally draining time and a physically draining time. And so we pray that you are their strength, that you are their rock, that you give them what it is that they need to keep on in that very rewarding role that they have to play. We pray this for the cabin leaders just as much as we pray this for the year-round staff as well. We pray for unity in the team as they do their work. We pray for that singular vision, that tunnel vision on you. God, all of these things we bring before you this morning. We pray them in your name. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles on you this morning, then... Say, keep them open to where it was that they were. Because today, after months of walking with our Lord through the Gospels, we now come to the end of Jesus' ministry, as we readily think of it anyway. And we have two passages, as we heard this morning, Acts 1, 1 to 11, a lot of ones there, and also Luke 24, 50 to 53. But we're going to start with the Acts 
passage where we read, starting in verse 1, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's with that phrase, in my former book. That's how Acts starts off. And that's because we're pretty sure that it's Luke of Gospel of Luke fame who also wrote Acts. But a couple years after his Gospel, sometime between 70 to 90 AD, that number 70 Uh, Keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that. But about 40 years after the resurrection. And these two books of Luke's, they really bleed into one another. uh, With the Gospel of Luke ending with the story of the ascension, as we are going to hear uh, just in a bit. And Acts, as we see here, beginning first with this very rapid-fire summary of the Gospel of Luke, including the ascension, only adding this quick conversation between Jesus and the disciples about rebuilding the kingdom that we're going to talk about, we're going to look about at just a moment, as well as an appearance of angels, which is always appreciated. Uh, Every time the angels come up throughout the Gospels, the way that they phrase things, it's just wonderful, but conversations for different days. But while this is how uh, the book of Acts begins from this passage on, it After this, it treads different ground, telling the story of the Acts of the Apostles, Uh, hence the name, Acts. It is the story of the birth of the early church. Uh, That's what happens in the books of Acts, following Jesus' ascension into heaven. Uh, How Christianity went from being just a handful of people to a great movement that even Rome, at its peak of its power, found threatening. But that story, the story of how the church came to be, it it begins here with a summary of what we have learned from the Gospels about who Jesus Christ is and with his ascension, which should clue us in that the ascension is a very truly important moment in the life of the church. It's a very truly important moment in our personal faith as well. The passage goes on. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the the unique conversation to Acts that I mentioned. Is it now time to restore the kingdom 
of Israel, the apostles asked Jesus here, to which he responds, it is not for you to know the time and the place, but I will send the Spirit. That's the sum of it. And when we read this, as is the case with much of what Jesus says, we kind of get a feeling that two things are being said here. The first of which is right there on the surface. We know that there were a number of people at the time of the apostles, including a number of the disciples themselves, uh, who simply assumed that Jesus was going to be declared as the one true king in Jerusalem, as any regular king would be. And to get to, to show this, just think of the events of Palm Sunday that we talked about only a couple weeks back. In that story where the people of Jerusalem, they came out of the city and they welcomed Jesus in as they would any mighty ruler returning from a victorious campaign. In that story, the people very publicly declared that this man is the king in Jerusalem. And that's why Palm Sunday was the key event that put the wheels in motion for the chief priests and the teachers of the law to crucify Jesus to begin with. So now that Christ is back from the dead, the apostles, they, they find themselves still somewhat thinking in that same headspace as they had been for a number of years up until this point. And as such, they, they asked Jesus something that would have been very obvious to ask him at this point in the story. Is the old plan still on? Has the time now come to rebuild the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that we saw you declared as king of just a few weeks back when you rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And to this, Jesus responds, it is not for you to know the time or the place. But as I said, there is also that second question asked of Jesus here as well. Because remember when I said that Acts was written, 70 AD at the earliest, about 40 years after the resurrection takes place. And that's important because remember in those early days of the church, and you really get a sense of this as you go through the epistles later on, there is this general assumption that Christ was going to return and with him bring the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that would see Jesus on his rightful throne, that would see the low risen up, that would see sin undone, that would see things finally set right, that that was going to happen all in just a few months' time, maybe a couple years at most, but no one was expecting that it was going to be as long a wait as it has been. And then just when they were beginning to wonder when Jesus was finally going to arrive, that's when 70 AD happens. And in 70 AD, Rome invaded Israel, sacked Jerusalem, and razed the temple to the ground. Flipping everything that the people following after Jesus, the Christians, would have thought that it meant for the kingdom to come. And so in this same question that the apostles have, we hear Luke and the early church asking something completely different in the same words. 
Is it time to restore the kingdom? Is it time for the kingdom of heaven that you have spoken so much about over your ministry to finally come yet? And to these people, the answer is also, it is not for you to know the time or the place. While this answer may seem inadequate to us, especially all these years after, painfully dismissive even, I think that's partially because we tend to forget that Jesus actually goes on in what he says here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. That is to say that you may not know when the kingdom will come, but that doesn't mean that you won't be living your life together in the meantime with the king. Which we now, after six months, finally finish the book of Luke together, reading, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. And we'll finish our Acts passage as well. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men dressed in white, they stood before them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. As I said before, the ascension in that, we find something important to the life of the church. We find something important to our personal faith. It is for us a blessing from the beginning all the way to the end. To begin, Christ is even taken up while he is blessing the disciples who would build his church. It may not seem like the ascension is a blessing as we can no longer see Jesus among us face to face as once we could, but it is, it is a blessing all the same. And to see why, simply note the wording here. Jesus was taken up. There's a lot in that. That is, it is not that Jesus went to heaven of his own accord. It's that God brought Jesus to heaven to be with him. That shows us that Jesus is worthy of that happening. Jesus is worthy of being in heaven. And that matters because note that nowhere in here are we told that Jesus stops being fully human just like we are. It is not that Jesus in the ascension leaves behind a corpse while his soul goes off into heaven. It is also not that he shucks off his mortal coil and is only left with his godhood. No, our ascended Lord, who was fully God and fully human while he was on earth with us, is still fully God and fully human, only now to this very day he is seated with the Father in heaven as well. 
And this means that we can know that in heaven that there is a place for us human beings as well. That Jesus is fully human and yet he is still there means that there has to be a place in heaven for us human beings. That may seem obvious to us who have been raised in the church all our lives, but really think about that. Heaven is the realm of God and the angels and is the realm of those things above and beyond our understanding. And yet there alongside our God, we find that there is a place prepared for human beings as well. But what this also means is that since we know that our Lord Jesus is with his heavenly Father, we know that in him that bridge between humanity and God is still very much so intact. We know that since Christ is in heaven with his heavenly Father, if only we believe he is who he says he is and we follow him as he taught us to and we have that relationship with him as he taught us to, we can know that we are following God, that we are building a relationship with God, that we are walking with God. That Christ is our ascended Lord means, borrow a phrase from the writer of Hebrews that David brought up as before as well, that Jesus to this day is mediating on our behalf, acting as the go-between for us and the one beyond our comprehension. So that through Jesus Christ, we know that we have a relationship with God. Through Jesus Christ, we know that our sins are forgiven and that there is nothing keeping us from living life with the Lord on high, living life with the King of the coming kingdom himself. This is why the ascension, though we can no longer see Jesus face to face, is still a blessing through and through. Because even though his ministry as we think of it here on earth is done, there's a new important ministry that our Lord is doing on our behalf. And it goes on to this day. And so as Jesus ascends, the disciples are rightfully left absolutely stunned. To which after some time, the passage in Acts ends with some angels showing up and giving them a kick in the pants as angels showing up often seem to do. Why are you here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has gone to heaven will come back in the same way. To which the disciples in the end of Luke, we are told, run to Jerusalem praising and singing continually to God as they wait for the Spirit to come so that they can live with God as they have been called to live until Christ one day calls them home. In this passage, we are asked, is it time now to rebuild the kingdom of Israel? That is the question we ask. 
It is only for the king to know when the kingdom will come. But in the meantime, we learn that in this new ministry of our ascended Lord, in the meantime, Jesus Christ is going to do us one better. As I read our passage today, I kept finding myself recalling uh, the message that was actually given at our wedding. I don't remember most of it. My mind was on other things. But this line sticks with me to this day. It's about the journey, not the destination. Reading that Christ tells his disciples who ask when the kingdom will come before seeing him ascend into heaven, I can't help but think that advice that I got on my wedding day really applies here. As people following Christ, it's natural for us to ask that same question asked by the apostles in the early church all those years ago. Is the time of the coming kingdom now? Looking ahead to that, it it brings us hope. It brings us motivation. It brings us longing. But here's the thing. Like the apostles, I think it's all too easy to focus on that to the point that we lose sight of the fact that God is with us now. He wants a relationship with us now. He wants to pull us close to himself now. He wants to walk with us now. It's important to not forget the now for the sake of what hasn't happened yet. The point of our faith is not the part of it where we get what's promised to us. The point of our faith is not just to go to heaven, even though we know there is a room set for us there. The point of our faith is not even to wait for the day when the kingdom finally comes and Christ returns the way that he departed. Those things will come. They will arrive. The kingdom in all its glory will come and we will bask in God's wonder face to face once again. Make no mistake about that. But what is most important to our personal faith with Jesus, to our ascended Lord is not what will be, but instead what is now. The relationship now. That's when we're building the foundation of the coming kingdom together. What will be is a wonderful thing to drive us forward. But if you're so focused on what will be, you kind of lose track of everything around you. And that tracks, doesn't it? For those of you who are married, in a relationship, or have ever been in a relationship with anyone for that matter, what's the goal of a relationship? Is it the end of it? I don't think so. It's not a perfect metaphor, I know, but holds up well enough. The goals that you have for your future together, they are important for sure. What will come is important for sure, but 
It's in the here and the now and the living together with this wonderful person. That's where your marriage finds its strength. That's where your relationship finds its strength. That's where any relationship finds its joy. That's where you and Christ the bridegroom find your strength and joy as well. The end will one day come. The end when we will know paradise, when the kingdom the apostles ask about will come. But that this will be, let that be good enough for you. Let it drive you, but no more details than that are not ours to know. Don't let what will be be the only thing that matters to your faith. Don't let what will be be the only thing that your relationship is built on. Don't lose out on building the best relationship that you will ever have in your life with your Lord because you can't turn your eye from the fact that someday we will know heaven together. The king is with us now. When you only have your eyes on the goal at the end of the road, you miss all of the things to be thankful for that God has given us today. And when you do that, your relationship becomes more of a necessary chore than something wonderful in and of itself. And the world that our God has so much love for and the people in it, they just kind of have a way of becoming not worth your time if you're only ever looking to what will come. Because why wouldn't they? They're only vapor to stare through as you long at what is to come. It is not for us to know when the kingdom will arrive, so don't let your longing for it, as legitimate as that might be, distract you from the fact that our ascended king is with us now. And this brings us to our assignment today. We've spent almost 10 months now talking about what the Bible tells us about who Jesus is. We have spent a long while talking about how Scripture points us to him. And we have, since December, been going through the Gospels, talking about who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. And in many ways, all of this kind of builds to today and the Great Commission and Pentecost that we will talk about next week. Because our Lord is in heaven now, still human, yet still God. We know that everything that we have learned about Jesus, who he is, and how to have a relationship with him, that also applies to God, who Christ has built that bridge to that we can cross toward the divine. And so this week, I want you to reflect on this time that we have spent through the Gospels, and then ask yourself, who have you come to understand Jesus to be? As you do this in prayer and in your Bibles, in the Gospels, in early Acts, I, 
I want you to then go a step further as well. I want you to then look at your own life, at your own faith, and knowing who it is that you have come to see our Savior to be, ask yourself, how am I working to build our relationship with Christ here and now? Like any relationship, how are you carving out time for Jesus? How are you spending time in conversation with him? How are you spending time caring for the things that he cares for, loving the things that he loves, doing the things that he loves to do, being thankful for the things that he has done? These might sound like a whole pile of one-sided questions talking about what's supposed to be a healthy relationship, but in my experience, if you don't ask exactly these types of questions of yourself, then the relationship tends to be pretty one-sided the other way. It's not in the future that the kingdom is built. But instead, it's on this journey together that the foundations of the coming kingdom are put in place, are risen up. So this week, as we look to go into the last message in our series next Sunday, I want you to look back on where we have come from, where we are now, and from there I hope, see the God who wants a relationship with you through Jesus Christ as you never have before. Amen. In response, let's sing number 228, Rejoice, the Lord is King, 228. benediction, we turn to the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. 
May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our God. Rejoice in glorious hope, our Lord the Judge shall come and take his servants up to their eternal home. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice and 